Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. We are looking at a new area of some of the things that add in the resistance of us wanting to change, wanting to find our motivation to change, things like that. And we're starting to look at fear as one of those modalities that we use to not go through with changes or to find ourselves at a stopping point, which often can also appear to be due to like reluctance to things, to not having enough information, all these different things. So fear encompasses a lot of different things. So where, where do we begin guys? I see this kind of resistance in therapy a lot in uh, addiction, out of control behavior, couples and family therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, in couples and family therapy, they're worried if I open up it will make things worse. And not just because things are harder at first in therapy before they get better. Uh, kind of like when you're working out, you're sore first, and then you recover stronger than you were before. They're just worried that therapy will make things worse permanently. Uh, and an addiction that uh, sobriety or recovery is going to be worse and harder than addiction where I feel less bad for a time or in out-of-control behavior, like out-of-control sexual behavior, that trying to have boundaries will be more uncomfortable than whatever consequences I am suffering from my behavior. And so any kind of change is scary. Uh, they're afraid. It is uh, much more beneficial to stay where I'm at now than to attempt to change, uh, to even ask for help, someone that is afraid is much more likely to be pre-contemplative, to not even want to change, uh, whereas someone that is angry, like we talked about in the last episode, is very aware that there's a problem or that they're being asked to change. Um, they're a little further ahead, but they're just not planning on changing or working on changing. Um, and so fear is a different animal. You... But I just want to make a quick observation too. the, the topics you mentioned, as far as those areas you talk about in therapy are also ones that are not well known and to be fair, not well researched. There's a lot of conflicting information. Like, let's just talk about the idea of sex addiction. Um, no, when I said addiction, I was talking about substance addiction. There's substance I didn't clarify that. Well, you mentioned out of control behaviors, which has in the past also been linked to like one topic of well substance addiction that's also a huge one where there's conflicting things it's like nature yeah, versus nurture sex addiction camp uses substance uh, abuse mm -hmm. research yes and so that's the other thing so with this idea of fear i think just there a lot of is like fear of the unknown because with what these topics especially in the therapeutic setting as far as motivation to change i think a lot of it stems from this idea of there there isn't concrete information it's not like with 
I'd say something more health research, like diabetes or something like that, where it's like, okay, this chemical issue in this situation with your body happens with this. And there are some unknowns, but there's a lot of good foundational things when it comes to mental health things, especially with motivation and things that get in the way of wanting to change and be out of this area we don't like and into an area that we feel more comfortable in. I think it is part of the fear with what you're describing too. some of these big ticket items there isn't a lot of great research. Even the term betrayal trauma in some camps is very conflicting. And so with what you're describing, there is no absolute information on if this is happening in my life, I take steps one, two, and three to go get assessed and do all these different things. There's no streamlined approach. So I think that definitely goes into that idea of fear and resistance because of the idea of like, I don't know where I'm going. And to be fair, all of the professionals don't even agree with where to go on this. So I just wanted to make that quick point of that can be where a lot of the fear is. And if that's where you're starting out and you're realizing that's where I'm going, that's you've already kind of inadvertently gone around a bunch of other topics that you might not have to dig into because the first one is just, I need to find information of where to go. Jen, you were going to say something too about fear. I think it's interesting how often I see fear be a hindrance and sometimes from a very valid place. So for example, when you've had real trauma, your fear over change actually increases. Um, not because you are trying to avoid growing, but because you have been hurt by things that are unknown. And so when you start to go into the unknown of not using a coping skill, even if it was negative that that has served you well, or not talking to the same people who may be unhealthy, but that you know them versus, you know, sitting with yourself. All of these things come from fear. And fear, again, is, and we talked about this in the last episode, this is not a rational thought. It's not an experience of oh, is my fear valid? I should just, you know, that's the first thing I can say. Fear is an emotional experience, not a rational one. And without going deep into it again, I really liked the episode we did on fear. And I always think about the analogy Taylor told um, of the story of a kid who wouldn't get out of bed. And I'll let you guys go back to that episode to listen to that. But remember that fear is not always right, but it is very real. Yeah, the, the feeling is very real. Right. But whether the, the danger is real or not is uh, whether that's based in reality or not is, is hard to know. Right. And educating somebody and just telling them there's nothing to be afraid of may not be the best approach to just say, this is great. You don't need to be afraid. Again, disregarding their emotion tends to make emotions bigger. Yeah, because the message hasn't been received. Right. So the most helpful way to approach someone that is afraid of change is to build safety to help them feel safer. And, and I, a lot of that, oh, oh, and a lot of that comes through relationship and them trusting that you want and are committed to their safety. I think you you both are mentioning this idea too of. Um, having another person when it comes to fear, we need to have someone else, a second person, because whether it be, um, am I reacting 
inappropriately to a situation? Am I hyping it up? Am I making it bigger? Am I making it smaller? Um, am I getting all the information? Am I ignoring information? That all, you kind of have to have a second, a checkpoint. And so with what you guys are talking about with fear, I think that that is a great first step of just making sure who's, who's my contact, what do I need to do with this, whether it be a professional or it's a friend or someone who knows me really, really well, family member, who's my point of contact just to start out with. And you can involve other people after that, obviously, depending on the different stages of how to work through it. But the first point of, you know, change and working through, I'm, I'm motivated. I have a motivation, whatever it is. And I want something to be different, but fears in the way is usually entrusting that information of what the fear is to someone else and being able to kind of work off of that. You were going to say something, Jen. I was just, just thinking, um, how often as a therapist, I've had to step back away from the focus of change. And especially early on in my career, I remember really being focused on outcomes, right? What was actually happening. Um, sometimes at that point I was working a lot with insurance and so having to like prove that I was doing my work. And so it was interesting to see how much I was focused on seeing significant change, but it, that moved me away from relationships. It actually got me into more power struggles when I was focused on seeing the outcome versus when I was able to see the person and praise any improvement, including just the consideration of change. And, and as I moved through that learning process for me, and we brought up the stages of change as well, um, earlier and see that a lot is going on in somebody's heart and mind before we start seeing any outcomes. And, and that's really powerful to realize that change is not just outcome-based. It, it happens emotionally before it happens externally. Yeah. There's the internal change and there's the external change. Uh, we call them first order change and second order change are the clinical terms. First order change is that outward change. It's kind of like um, rearranging deck furniture on the Titanic. There's something visible that you can see, but what's actually going on that needs to be changed hasn't been taken care of. If you rearrange deck furniture on the Titanic, it's still going to sink. Whereas second order change, the internal change, would be like repairing the hole, bailing the seawater. The more like foundational grounding things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and counterintuitive. And oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and fear can actually lead to a lot of first order change and mimic outcomes when what we really want is long-term experience. So I've seen a lot of people be able to, the term white knuckle it. Yeah, and, hold your breath, jump through hoops. Right. Um, uh, Counterintuitively, uh, second order change, the internal change, doesn't have uh, a lot of outward signs of change. And so while there's the internal work being done, uh, sometimes things look worse before they get better, like we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the episode. And people uh, panic, particularly the people in their lives, and they're worried that things are going in a dire direction. And I just want to also validate, like, it is completely okay. Like, we talked about spouses, kind of like a spouse going through something and you being the one watching. It is completely okay if 
the things that need to change have taken a lot of time and you are recognizing that that internal change is happening, but that you are not okay still. Just because you're recognizing that internal change is happening in a loved one or a spouse or a partner or whomever it is, it does not mean that they're making that change. Therefore, all the problems go away. It is completely okay to notice I'm still not okay. And this is going to take more time and I need to evaluate what my needs are now. And I'm not saying like that's when you get to leave a relationship or leave a connection, but I, I do a lot of work with individuals, especially women who their partners, male and female, are doing changes and doing that internal change. And one big shame aspect that goes along with that fear is what if this isn't enough still right now? What if I'm still hurting? What if I'm still in a not healthy scenario and I need to be in a healthy scenario? am I okay to make distance or make boundaries and do these things? And part of that fear is addressing that of me being the person of being like, you are hundred percent allowed to evaluate what your needs are. Their change is going to be up to them. If you're looking at it and saying, I'm glad you're making changes, but I'm, I'm still not okay. And I still need this structure. So I'm going to do this. It's not because I'm doing it in retaliation. It's because I need to take care of myself that, as the second party, that change aspect is a completely appropriate and healthy mindset as well. So you can still see that someone's making those internal changes and dealing with their fears, but your own fears are okay to be validated in that moment. You don't need to put your fears on hold because you see someone else going through different things. Your own fear and your motivation to make your own changes is completely allowed to still happen. You don't need to wait until they're completely done to make that assessment. That's an unfair thing to make you do. So it's like saying like, I haven't eaten in three days, but the cook in front of me will be done in three hours with the food. But I can't go to McDonald's next door real quick, or I can't go to this other place to go grab something that's quick and easy because I need to like sustain myself for a little bit. And it's the fear of if I do that, then I'm a bad person for not being there for when the cook's done, <laughs> right? It's like saying, no, my immediate needs right here in front of me so I can that's where we work on that fear aspect of saying like you're allowed to have your own needs and they're valid and it's okay to be scared that your need feels really big in comparison to the changes you see of the people around you. In in the last episode, we talked about how you respond to anger. Uh, I'd like us to address how to respond to fear. Mm -hmm. um, of course, uh, Jen, you already mentioned empathizing with the fear. Absolutely. We, we roll with the fear. Um, in addition to, to empathizing with the fear, which is crucial and the first thing that we do, uh, uh, we find out more information. We try to find out what about the fear is based in reality and what is not. Um, sometimes that requires uh, referring out of therapy for more services. Um, sometimes that requires meeting with a financial advisor, uh, refer, uh, meeting with a doctor, meeting with a medication manager, like a psychiatrist or a, a psych nurse practitioner, I lost the word there for a minute. Sometimes this means meeting with um, uh, a mechanic, uh, meeting with an electrician. You know, you hear scary noises in the attic that sounds like electricity. Okay, let's get an electrician. Let's find out if you're having electrical problems in the home and you don't have to worry about if your house is going to burn down in an electrical fire. So we get more information and find out what uh, of the fear is is something that uh, we need to be afraid of and what of the fear is not based in reality. 
And then if we suspect after getting more information that the fear is not based in reality, we we test the reality. If something is is um, the emotion not being based in reality, we come up with an experiment to test. Um, and that's where in the fear episode, we talk about that young man that was uh, too afraid to get out of bed. Um, we did all of the due diligence with meeting with doctors, with nurses, found out that he would be okay to get out of bed. And we had a little race uh, and his stomach was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's how we we deal with fear of change is let's get more information. Let's find out if change really does make things worse. And then we have to test things yeah, now. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you don't have to do the whole push through thing. You can go to the expert and ask, right? It's this idea of, um, okay, so there's this weird dog flu going around the area that is turning into pneumonia and a lot of dogs are passing away. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a, it's been nationwide. It's been ridiculous the last few weeks. So I have three dogs. So chances of them catching something's pretty high. And they all get dogs. Yeah, your neighborhood has a ton of dogs. Yeah, they don't really play with the other dogs. Okay. Because we're posh. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, because mine are huge and I'm sure they scare everyone. But they um, but they go to daycare and the chances of them getting things there is really high, even though the daycare is great. Um, it's just like a kid's child care. Things are going to get passed. It's going to happen. So you just try to avoid as much as possible. But so all the dogs started coughing. Um, and when dogs cough, they sound awful. Um, and you can't really be like, oh, take this medicine or, oh, take this, you know, have a cough drop. Dogs don't eat cough drops. Don't know if you know this. They also don't like to drink tea when they put honey in it. They <laughs> won't do any of dogs that. Dogs don't like honey? Well, they do. Uh, but just the but combination? They just, if it's not water, they're like, what is this? Interesting. So, I didn't weird. know that. Anyways, so a lot of stuff like that. My dogs are just apparently picky. Maybe yours would be different. But... um. So Maggie knows we're talking about her. Gross, Maggie. Maggie. So um, dogs, there was this thing going around. And so what we ended up doing is they were coughing. And then there's this fear of what if they have this thing? And my fear is completely valid because there are sites that it's everywhere. And when it comes to change, I know this isn't like I'm changing to do something, but it's this idea of, okay, I'm going to go to an expert first before I just, you know, sit and I be like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm going to ignore it. There's valid concerns. There's valid things that come up. If I want to change or I want to see a change happening, I need to go and consult the experts before everything goes up, you know, before I need to just push through it and just try to ignore that feeling. So I think it's completely okay at any level to go and check that out. And I think a lot of people can recognize when their fear may not be rational. And that's when they are coming and they're asking to do EMDR, ART, that trauma-based therapy because that is part of what happens with trauma is, is that we get fears that even though our situation may have changed, um, our brain is still telling us to be afraid. And I that goes back to what Taylor was saying. You need to assess whether you're actually in danger. And then you might need to treat that part of your brain that still is worried you are mm-hmm. in danger. Yeah, with um, couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> with couples therapy, the risk of opening up to one another uh, is best mitigated. Uh, you know, getting that more information 
by doing individual therapy first and you find out that, wow, they actually kind of do like each other and uh, they um, really do want to work on the marriage, but they just have this story in their head that the other person uh, is um, out to get them, uh, won't take care of them, whatever the case may be because of past history. And so then you work on helping them regulate their emotions you work through some past unhelpful experiences with EMDR, ART, maybe some neurofeedback, things like that that help them be in the same room together and be like, hey, just so you know, we've been uh, collaborating, uh, you're both of your individual therapists, and you know, it turns out you two like each other. You just didn't know this. Um, <laughs> Surprise. If, yeah. Uh, if you're willing to trust me enough, let's start just opening up on little things and you take these little risks instead of trying to jump in on the deep end of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I think w- especially with fear, having a guide is so important because you cannot, you can't do all those things in a vacuum. You can't do it by yourself. So it, it really, as we're talking about these, it's one of the reasons we can't just motivate ourselves. I hear often people say, I know what to do. I just can't do it. One of the reasons you can't do what you think you know how to do is because you're fighting some of these emotional battles that we're talking about around motivation. And fear is so interesting uh, in another way because you can do something, uh, let's say uh, jump off of a diving board, uh, you know, cannonball, whatever, you don't have to do a dive or a flip or anything special, and you'll get butterflies in your stomach if you're new to it. And then you get brave and you go up to a little bit higher diving board just as paralyzing as before getting off of the diving board and then take a break or go to a diving board of equal height three feet over and because the world looks slightly differently it will be just as paralyzing and give you just as much uh, just as great of butterflies as the diving board of equal height three feet over the brain needs to learn the same lessons in a new context no matter how similar And so fear is a really funky monster Um, for very good reason. Fear tries to protect us. All of our sensory information, what you see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, um, after going through reflexes, you know, how you pull your hand away from something hot before you even registers, goes through the fear center of the brain. And so our brain has already decided whether we're afraid of something, whether it's a danger, before we've had a thought about something. And so fear is a really powerful uh, obstacle to change. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.